Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. So we're going to dive in here to the first part of a two-part series on John Bassalone. John Bassalone would reach the rank of gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps during World War II. He'd be awarded the Medal of Honor as a sergeant, and before exiting the Marine Corps, would be awarded the Navy Cross. That would make him the only enlisted Marine in World War II to earn both medals. In turn, and, and there's a very clear break between the actions that led to each one of those, we're going to break this up into two parts so we don't try to jam too much in here and it gets a little confusing going back and forth. So we're going to start out, we're going to go chronologically, we're going to talk his Medal of Honor citation that happened during the Battle of Guadalcanal in 1942. John Bassalone joined the Army prior to World War II, the Army, um, served, uh, served a couple of years, got out, came back home to the United States, and then decided he wanted to come back into the service again before the war started. So he decided to join the Marines. So I don't know if that was used, if the Marines picked that up and used it as a marketing pitch. I don't know how serious the recruiting battles were, but that's a, if I were a Marine recruiter, I'd use that after, uh, after you've got a hero like John Bassalone switching services. That's, that's awesome. Bassalone would serve as a, he would command two machine gun teams in a part of uh, Delta Company, part of 1-7 Marines, rolled up under the 1st Marine Division, and they would see combat on Guadalcanal. So stepping back into the little bigger strategic picture here, the landings on Guadalcanal happened in August of 1942. The attack on Pearl Harbor, which started World War II, started the war in the Pacific against the Japanese Empire, was December of 1941. So we're talking about eight months later, the United States is getting ready to land on the beaches of Guadalcanal to engage in the first major land offensive of the war. So it's not as though everything stopped for eight months. There was still there were still uh, naval battles. There were still battles going on on a series of islands around the Pacific, but Guadalcanal would mark the first time ideally that the United States landed troops on an island and started to push back Japanese forces. Really up until this point, thinking of the best way to say this, I mean, since then we've had the Battle of Midway, which was a resounding U.S. victory. So I don't want to say that we haven't had a win. That was huge. What we haven't had is a land battle victory. So the naval battle is going to be, the naval war in the Pacific is going to be almost the war. But as warfare has been throughout time, you still need to hold territory. And in the Pacific, that meant these little islands. As the United States is planning an operation, they're looking in and around the Solomons, and they have an idea on a couple places they want to land. And the reason they come down into the Solomons is this is kind of the first place to punch a hole into the Japanese defense. They don't have to, I mean, you have to start on the exterior. You can't bypass Japanese islands and hit something closer. You know, we've heard the term island hopping. We have to hit something on the outside, establish a base and move from there. The Solomons make sense. 
it's also close to Australia. So it will ideally alleviate some of the stress that one of our allies is facing. And they, so they're eyeing the, this chain of the Solomon islands. And there's a few parts of the Island that few parts of this chain that are going to be designed to be hit. And at the last minute they change and say, actually Guadalcanal, Guadalcanal, when this operation was first designed, wasn't even in consideration. Um, it wasn't like a secondary objective. It just wasn't going to be hit. There's a ton of islands in the Pacific that American forces never land on. There's a ton of islands in the Pacific where there are Japanese forces that Americans never land on. So the U.S. was very specific, sometimes right, sometimes wrong, about which islands to invade and take. So just because Guadalcanal sits in the Solomon Islands, it was not a given that we were going to hit that island. But it looks like the Japanese are constructing an airfield. That's going to be a problem for the surrounding operations. We can't have an airfield in the middle of this American offensive. So at the last minute, relatively, um, in terms of military operational planning, the last minute Guadalcanal is added. The soldiers on the ground refer to it as Operation Shoestring because everything is done on a shoestring. I mean, they're instead of going into battle with, I think, 60 days of rations, they hit the beach with 14. I mean, that's the nature of the Battle of Guadalcanal. But American forces, Marines, hit that beach on Guadalcanal, and there's no resistance. It's a weird, that's an exaggeration. There's resistance, but not as expected. Remember, these guys are hard charging into the teeth of the Japanese enemy that's bombed Pearl Harbor. This is the first time the Marines get to avenge Pearl Harbor. And they hit the beaches, and there's no fighting. There's, I mean, there's sporadic gunfire, but in a matter of in a matter of 36 hours, Marines are able to charge inland and take the airfield and name it Henderson Field, or rename it Henderson Field and start construction on this airfield. I mean, it almost looks too easy. It's, there's certainly Japanese on the island. Um, There were engagements. It wasn't just a complete walkthrough, but holy cow, the first 24, 48 hours, nothing crazy. But then it really gets rolling. And it would turn, the Guadalcanal campaign would turn into a nightmare for many of those that fought it. The... When we look at, when I look at, I guess I'll say, campaigns in the Pacific, over and over again, the theme is the United States has this crazy resupply channel and the Japanese forces are hanging on by a toenail. They're eating rotten food, drinking dirty water, have no ammunition, and the American forces are the ones with this just nonstop supply chain landing on the beach. In, in the big picture of the war, that's that's not crazy. But on Guadalcanal in 1942, that was not the case. The Japanese make it into this slot between Guadalcanal and some other islands like Chilagi. There's a, a very clear slot between these islands where the Americans are unloading and trying to supply the Marines on the beach. The Japanese come in dead night sink some American ships and the American carriers get out of there. The, so what, what happens in 1942 at the start of really the start of American offensive in the Pacific is not that we have this supply chain unmatched by the Japanese. It's almost flipped. 
the Japanese start, when they see the amount of people that we've landed on Guadalcanal, they start resupplying the island with their troops. So it's, it's kind of the reverse of how we usually think about these Pacific battles. The Japanese are reinforcing with men, material, supplies, ammunition, everything. They're bombing it and strafing the island because they have airfields nearby. And the Americans are struggling to get supplies ashore. This battle will go on for six months. The Marines on the Marines and Army soldiers on Guadalcanal would be malnourished, would be would not receive the medical treatment needed, would have a hard time evacuating casualties, would have a complete disarray of supplies at various times. I mean, it was a national story. Could the, could we be wiped out on Guadalcanal? Think about what that would have done to the morale of the country. So we, we just got our teeth kicked in at Pearl Harbor, this surprise attack we didn't know about and, and killed a ton of Americans, sunk a bunch of our ships, caught us by surprise, and we're chomping at the bit to get back at the Japanese. So we land on this unknown island in the Solomons and they slaughter the entire American force. I mean, what happens to the war if that happens? All in, the United States would have about 60,000 troops on the island. We would suck. I mean, the war might end if that, if that force gets captured and killed. That might be it. I don't, know, I don't know how that's received back in the States. Nonetheless, by October of 1942, the Americans have been on Guadalcanal for a couple months. There's been pretty sustained contact. But while it's been a few months, and there's been these are now seasoned combat veterans on Guadalcanal, it is still the first time the United States is really learning lessons of what it's like to battle the Japanese on land. That those lessons were learned in other areas, kind of, but it's hard to take lessons from like the Philippines when the US was just outmatched and overrun and and so many forces were captured. Like a lot of those lessons didn't make it out of there. On Guam, when there was just a, you know, barely a company to defend against the Japanese invaders, how do you take lessons learned from that and apply it to 60,000 on Guadalcanal? Anyways, on um, the battle by late October 1942 is going to be focused around Henderson Field. This is the airfield that the American forces hold. They are, it's really their lifeline. Because these ships are having trouble getting supplies in, the airfield is their lifeline. As you'll see throughout history, right? It's, there's something. You got to hold on to that thing. In Vietnam, it would be a landing zone for a helicopter. At the, the initial stages of Operation Overlord in World War II, in the European theater, it'd be the beachhead in Normandy. You have to hold it. It's your it's your only access in or out. On Guadalcanal was Henderson Field. John Bassalone was leading, Sergeant John Bassalone was leading two machine gun sections in the defense of Henderson Field. When on October 24th, 1942, his position, along with the entire battalion led by Chesty Puller, was hit by a 3,000 strong enemy force. They had sort of seen this type of attack previously, but the way to describe it is a full frontal assault. It is not in line. It doesn't match the weapon systems of the day. And it doesn't, it's going to be a type of battle that the Americans struggle to understand. And when we look at it today, I think it's still fair to struggle 
to understand why somebody would do what the Japanese soldiers did. Um, but this 3000 man force came charging head on into the American lines. Bassalone had his machine gun sections, 15 total men and the brutal close range fighting quickly reduced his team of 15 down to three himself and two others. The fighting was raging through the morning that they attacked in the early morning of uh, the 24th. So as the, as the sun is, as there's no light. And then as the sun comes up, Bassalone stays at his position. He's repairing machine guns and he has to resupply his gunners. But this overwhelming rush through their position, it's not a clear American line anymore. He now has to maneuver back. And as he goes back to resupply his guys, he's running into Japanese forces that are between him and the supply point. So to resupply his guns, he has to fight. So he has to fight to resupply, gets the ammunition, comes back up to get his guys going. He, cl- he clears jams, fixes machine guns when there's enemy mere yards away, and puts it back into action. He stays on those guns firing. I mean, it's not nonstop, but it is close to it for the duration of the battle. Himself being responsible for taking out at least an entire Japanese company, an entire company. Depending on their strength of the day, that's 200. He, he eventually runs out of ammunition. And as he runs out of ammunition, as he runs out of ammunition, he continues his defense of the airfield with his pistol and mache. For holding his ground, for keeping his guys in the fight, keeping those two machine guns up and operational. I mean, those stopped the Japanese advance. For that action, Sergeant John Bassalone, now known as the hero of Guadalcanal will be awarded the Medal of Honor. Barcelona's story made headlines in the United States. Remember, we need heroes. We need, we need a win. Sergeant John Barcelona provided that to a lot of the country in late 1942. The U.S. is looking for something to cling to. We're looking for hope as to how we're going to win this war. And you've got this, this American hero, Sergeant John Barcelona, the hero of Guadalcanal, gunning down masses of advancing Japanese soldiers directly into his position. He'd be awarded the Medal of Honor, and he'd be sent home. He'd be sent home because he was told, or it was decided, I guess is a better way to say it, that he could better serve the war effort advertising and speaking um, on behalf of war bonds, trying to get the public to give more money to support the fight, though the war effort, it was it was common practice. It was something that they wanted the government and the military wanted the citizenry to see our heroes, see our warriors. And the thought was, if if Sergeant John Bassalone, the hero of Guadalcanal, asked you to write a check, you'd be more likely to do it than uh, than some random stranger. So, after receiving the Medal of Honor, um, he came back home. And, and did a stint where he was traveling the United States, uh, selling or promoting, I should say, the war effort. It's a better way to say it. It's not that he was promoting war bonds, he was promoting the war effort. He was the face of the war, especially for the Marines, especially in the war in the Pacific. I think that's a good breaking point for the first part of the story of John Bassalone. We'll be back with part two shortly. We talk about his Navy Cross awarded during the Battle of Iwo Jima.
Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories. If you get a chance, it'd mean an awful lot if you could head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It helps others to, to find the show. But thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.